This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Travis Bader is the principal owner and managing director of Silvercore Outdoors, a Canadian company that works in the firearm space. I learned about Travis after listening to a podcast excerpt of his and he was talking about hunting, and I was like, man, this dude, number one, has an intellect to him, and just it just sounded amazing. I was like, man, I want to talk to this guy. I want to have a conversation with this guy. Well, what you're about to hear is a conversation between myself and Travis, and it uh, almost it turns a little bit because Travis hosts his own podcast, and I think he sort of embeds himself into a podcast host role, and he asks me a bunch of questions. but. It is a great, hard-hitting discussion between two individuals that think very deeply about subjects and specifically hunting in this regard. So, enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it, Brittany? My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Oh, I tell ya. <laughs> You're the pro, man. Look at the freaking studio and the microphone. and Hey, it's a learning process. We do it every two weeks and just released, well, just recorded our 100th episode yesterday. 
but you're doing it every two days. Every two days you're releasing something, according to listen notes anyways. Yeah, I would say three a week. Um, the Man. roundup is the tricky one, because the roundup's gonna is the one that's like... It's like current events, like what's happening in the week. Mm. And with the travel schedule the way that it is right now, it's like... I'm having to do roundups like in locations with people because I just can't connect with Cody in Colorado to say, hey, what's happening? Yeah. So you're doing a lot you of know? traveling with the podcast? Uh, with just the brand. Um, mm. You know, Blood Origins is a non-profit. We're a 501c3 charitable public charity. And all we do is we seek to convey the truth about hunting. So, Travis, let me ask you. What does convey the truth about hunting mean? You know, that's funny because I was just going to ask you that exact same question. <laughs> I'm the podcast host tonight, today, not you. <laughs> I get to ask the question. So, you know, to borrow from uh, liberal type speak, you got to speak your truth, they say, right? Well, what is your truth? There is one truth. There is one truth that's out there, but people can look at it from different perspectives. So the truth about hunting would be that it's intrinsic to all of us. Whether we want to admit that or not, whether we understand that or realize that or not, as a species on an evolutionary scale, we're still pretty, pretty small along that process of, uh, of growth. And we have all been harvesters, hunter, gatherers. And that is an undeniable truth. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny you talk about that undeniable truth. It's, it's almost why I've got this little, I've got this pet hypothesis. A pet? Which is a pet hypothesis, which is mm. why is there such like jealousy, um, vitriol in our hunting community, within hunters, with hunters, between hunters? Yeah, And my hypothesis is this, is that there is, to your point, a tribal DNA to our core that is something tied to hunting. And if you rewound the clock 10,000 years, the jealousy and vitriol came about, it was, it was present then as it is today, but it was manifested then as... Robbie and Travis both brought food. Actually, we both arrived at the campfire late one night. Mm -hmm. I happen to be, because I'm the host of this podcast, I get to have the privilege of, of putting myself in this position. I brought home the meat that day. I drug a carcass to the fire. Travis, you were not successful that day. And so I had the ire of the woman in camp. I had the choice of cuts. I probably had the choice of whatever I wanted to do that night and probably for the week thereafter. But instead of us having a social, in 10,000 years ago, instead of it social being a social media type world or a digital world in which, you know, keyboard warrior, tap, 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 I hate you, I don't like this, I don't like that, I think you're unethical, yada, yada, yada. It was Travis who then decided the next day to work harder to pursue longer, to go to un undiscovered areas to procure the meat. Interesting hypothesis. So, I think by nature, people are 
storied creatures. Mm-hmm. Prior to the written word, everything was passed down mouth to ear. People love sitting around and telling stories, and by and large, those adventures in the past would revolve around travel or adventure or hunting, which encompasses travel and adventure, moving away from the safety of the group. And it's easy for people to create heroes in these situations. Now, I recently came back from Germany. It was in Nuremberg for IWA, which is Mm -hmm. just... And first time going there for IWA, met up with a couple fantastic individuals, Marcus, who's head of firearms training and hunter education for the Bavarian region, and his cousin, who's a Leica-sponsored photographer for National Geographic, and and Playboy as well. And um, listening to some of their stories, and they talked about uh, a first hunt tradition. And instead of the hunter being celebrated, like you had just mentioned in your story there, when the hunter comes back, it's up to them to now celebrate the camp cook, the person who helped transport them to the location. Whoever else was ancillary to the hunt, who didn't pull the trigger and harvest that animal, they're the ones who get celebrated. And I thought mm. that was a really interesting way to look at it, because without all of them, without the rest of the group around that individual, that hunt would probably not be successful. Mm-hmm. So... When we talk about the possibility, and, you know, it's a real possibility in any activity, of there being jealousy jealousy or vitriol or people being upset, there is just as much, if you put your attention to it, um, positivity in seeing a hunter who has done things in a way that's ethical, who's sharing the glory with everybody else, who's sharing the, uh, the spoils of war, so to speak, with the group. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I took the direction I did within my business was to seek out that positivity because it is so easy mm-hmm. to only see the negative side of things because it's out there. But if I'm always putting my attention there, what was it who Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, battle not with monsters lest ye become one. Uh, if you look into the abyss long enough, the abyss will look into you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, that's so so true, right? But there's there's a hell of a lot of positivity out there too, and I think I think sometimes we as hunters lose sight of that because we feel like there's a battle, like we have to fight for our right to hunt. Firearms are intertwined on that. And there's a political discussion all around firearms, and it's got a social stigma associated with firearms and hunting. And we say, man, why are we always under attack? But we have a high level of agency that we can affect change within our own locus of control and those around us to the way that we positively interact with other hunters and non-hunters. And I think that's the key forward for everybody is, yeah, there's going to be negativity, but there's a hell of a lot of positivity too. Well, before we dive any deeper, Travis Bader, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. I do a terrible job of introducing people because we get just rolling and it's <laughs> 7 minutes 30 in, into this podcast already. Travis, tell people where you're from, what you do for a living. Robbie, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. So I, I'm the owner of a company called Silvercore. We're based in Canada. We've got a club that spans all across Canada and you know we're expanding into the United States and beyond. Been doing certain aspects of this business since about 1994 when I was in high school. I started out as doing gunsmithing and firearms repair and maintenance for law enforcement, private security, government agencies, and then, you know, old general public. And then 
uh, doing basic government safety training in Canada for those who want to get uh, firearms licenses or their hunter education certificates and expanded that further and further to kind of where we are now. Awesome. So you're not you're not in the hunting industry per se. You're in the the gun to a not to a because you don't have a two a in Canada. Um, <laughs> you're in the gun industry. You know, I just gun say, firearms training in, industry. I'd just say we're we're in the entrepreneur industry, right? And we're in the media industry right now. What we're doing, there's so many different hats that we will wear, and to pigeonhole myself, and a lot of times it's easy to do. Hey, mm-hmm. Trav, he's a gun guy. Well, I was mm-hmm. raised around firearms. I work with firearms, but I got a lot of other a lot of other things that pique my curiosity. Cool. Which is where the outlet of the Silvercore podcast is, and we can touch on that and help, hopefully, in a positive way, bring people who might not otherwise be into some of the things that we do and maybe open their eyes and say, yeah, there are other, other ways to look at things. Yeah, so... So back to the original, like conveying the truth about hunting. It's funny. I'm I'm going to show you a, a diagram. Nobody can see this because this is an audio medium, not a visual medium. Mm. But that is a diagram okay. that talks about the. It's almost it's a pie chart, and I'll describe it to people. It's a pie chart that has three slices to the pie. A very small slice of the pie is the ugly stuff. Mm than real, real negative stuff. A, 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 a slightly bigger fraction of the pie, maybe 10% of the pie, is the social, political, regulatory issues part. And the vast majority of the pie that I showed you, 80% of the pie, is good. And that, to me, is what we try from a, the, tr- to the, the conveying the truth about hunting, the truth about hunting, is the good part of the pie that we do not tend to focus on at all. It's the benefits, societal benefits, whether that's manifested mentally, emotionally, physically. Uh, it's the community benefits, schools, medical, whatever you mean, you know, any sort of human-derived element of that. And then there's the wildlife benefits. And... It's, you know, the good is relationships, it's health, it's all those things that we just don't ever talk about because that's not something hunters are supposed to talk about, Trav. It's just, you know, that's what we do. That's the truth about hunting. And then the, the, the key term is convey. Convey means so many different things. Convey means educate. Convey means tell. Convey means maybe listen. Convey means put across and you need multiple mediums to convey podcast this podcast being one of them that's an interesting way to look at it and you're saying the truth is the positive part but that would be from your perspective because Mm -hmm. you have seen all the positive that comes alongside with hunting and hunting isn't just as a non-hunter might think the shotgun or the rifle or the crack of the bullet as it leaves the kill shot so many people associate that with hunting and that's just a tiny tiny little fraction of the whole piece of the puzzle when all the learning that goes with it and all the uh just what do the uh the japanese call it they got shinrin yoku right uh forest bathing just being out there in the forest and uh, interacting with your natural environment is such a big part of it 
But I might just throw this to be devil's advocate. Perhaps the truth isn't just the positive, but it's the totality. It's the positive, it's the negative, it's, it's all of these parts, but our attention should be proportional, similar to your pie chart, of what's actually out there. And I think as humans, being a negatively biased animal to begin with, we will gravitate and put so much of our attention into that negative side. I don't think ignoring that negative side is going to do us any service or favors. I think addressing that there is some negativity out there, but look at this vast portion of positive that's out there and addressing it in a, in a properly proportioned way will probably leave a well more, a more well-rounded conversation and individual. Yeah, I, I think people's perspective is the opposite of the pie chart that I just showed you. Mm-hmm. Because we amplify the negative. Mm-hmm. Why, so do think, ma- why do you think because, that is? Because it's drama. People love drama. And people in the social media digital world, there are people out there that purposely put negative stuff out there because it drives more engagement. Mm-hmm. Have you ever found that? Like, I know that if you want to get more hits on your podcast, you, you can play that game, right? You can get into the drama. Has that ever come across your desk? I will give you an example in the last three days. Okay. I am a, I'm a prankster at heart. I love joking with people. And my favorite day of the year is April Fool's. Awesome. And I have done some amazing April Fool's pranks. Like when I was a master's student, I was two and a half years into the master's. I was just about to finish. I had a PhD lined up to come to the States, how I came to the States. Hmm. And I called my mom from a landline and she was in Australia and just literally left a message with someone saying, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm done. And like this maelstrom happened halfway around the world from this mm-hmm. one phone call just dropping the hammer. Um, but I, on April Fool's this year, said to our audience, our community, that Blood Origins has decided, with soul-searching and lots of research, that we were going vegan. I saw that. And the amount of interaction mm-hmm. and engagement I got was through the roof. Mm-hmm. It was through the roof because they thought, oh my God, controversy is a, is a, is a brewing. Mm-hmm. I, do, I will say this. What I, what I did take away from that post was that, and I've said this all along, which is essentially a little bit of a downfall to Blood Origins, is that we don't create sexy quote-unquote content for hunters we create awareness and educational content for non-hunters that we hope hunters will pick up and broadcast into their social communities and it's working like our statistics show that our our reach is almost 80 percent of the people that engage us so if we get i think we're at like fifty-nine thousand on instagram on a regular monthly basis, we're engaging 215, 220,000 people. Nice. And so 179 of those, 180 of those actually do not even follow us, mm. which is exactly what we want. But because our content's not sexy, people don't engage like that April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. 
they don't comment. So so many people in that on that April Fool's joke commented, "Oh, I almost unfollowed." You got me, or you got wow. me, you got me, you got me. And I was like, number one, where have you been? Mm-hmm. Why have you not commented ever before? I've never seen 95% of the people that commented have never commented before. Mm-hmm. And then we lost like 200 followers. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, no, man. Because nobody chose to like read. Yeah. You know, read what I said, and I and I purposely worded it very, very carefully, very astutely, and um, but yes, that so that's an, a classic example of some sort of negativity, and 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 I spoke with a guy that's a marketing guy, who said, if you really want to get ahead in this digital social media world, you almost have to live on that line of virality. It's a game. Mm-hmm. And in the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, do you know their origins, how they came about? Yeah. So Guinness Beer Company says, man, how do we keep people in the pubs longer? We want them drinking our beer, consuming our alcohol. How do we market and keep them in the pubs? And they thought, well, they really like football, right? English soccer. And yeah, the, 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 the sport that uses a foot and a ball. Correct. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call football, yes. Mm-hmm. And... Man, they seem to like trivia. What if we made a trivia book up and we just like got all these interesting facts? And so they set out to research and find the fastest runner, the highest jumper. And man, they're having a hell of a time trying to get that information. And one bright individual said, I know, let's just make up our numbers. And then we'll reach out to the industry experts and we'll show them what we have. And they found that people were way more willing to correct something that was wrong then they were to step up and say no no here i've done the research here's the fastest runner here's the highest jumper so that's that's how guinness book started wow and we just recently experienced that in our uh, social media tiktok there and uh, sabrina she shows a little hack of how to take a dead lighter and still make a fire from it and she's scraping plastic off the side and of course, all those little lighters will, if it's not piazzo, it'll have a tiny little ferrocerium rod. So you just mm-hmm. get some scrapings from that and you spark that off. Well, I guess somehow, like, I mean, she's in the Whistler area and it's cold and maybe just having it in her hand long enough was warm enough to get a little bit of a flame going. So when she sparks it off, you see a bit of a flame come out of this thing, even though prior she's like, click, 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 this thing's not working. I think we're at like three or four million hits on that one now. Oh my God. Because everyone's like, there's still a flame in there, right? It doesn't negate the fact that what is being done is a viable way to be able to start a fire, but people are more likely to step up and say, you're you cheated. wrong. You, che- you yeah. cheated, you're wrong, or why did you even bother putting this up? And if somebody really wanted to play the game, that's what they do. Hmm. Travis, do you hunt yourself? I do, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, one question I had, though, because I've got a little notepad here and I'm writing it through, you were talking about speaking to the non-hunters with mm-hmm. blood origins. Mm-hmm. Do you think everyone should hunt? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. We don't have, we don't nearly have a wildlife resource that could sustain everyone hunting. I like your approach, because I, I don't think everybody should be hunting. But I think they should be open to reasonable persuasion and understanding at least why others do hunt. And how that fits in with their environment and how it fits in with conservation efforts. Because 
people don't have to agree or like what we do. Mm-hmm. But to understand, that's not really a big ask. Just to like open your mind to understand. And that's where your April Fool's joke comes in. We live in a society of short attention spans and short sound bites. How do you, how are you finding this as a long form format as communicating to those short attention spans that might otherwise just be absolutely against you? In the podcast world, I think it's actually been proven the opposite. Interesting. What do you mean by that? Well, you've got Joe Rogan. Okay. You've got Joe Rogan sitting on top of the pile Mm -hmm. by a million miles from anyone else. Mm -hmm. And his podcasts, at a minimum, are two hours long. Mm -hmm. Three, three and a half hours, sometimes. So you think a prime example to show that if the content is right and the people are interested, they will take and absorb that kind of long-form content. Now, it's the mechanism. Oh, no, no, mechanism is the wrong term. It's probably the location and the activity of consumption that makes a difference there. Okay. So podcasts can be listened to as you're walking. As you're biking, as you're cycling, as you're on the treadmill, as you're driving to work, as you're on the bus to work, or you're on the train to work. And you can almost like tune yourself out. It's almost like background stuff, right? And I typically like, if I'm doing a five-hour drive, I know it's about a, it's a one and a half Joe Rogan, you know, <laughs> road trip kind of sure. scenario. Everything else, it's sort of in the here and now because it's, it's almost like you're using a different sense, right? You're using your visual sense versus an audio medium sense which is this podcast a lot Mm. of people sometimes uh, you know some people say that they watch the podcasts we don't we don't trans we don't capture the video we don't put it on youtube we don't do any of that Mm. yet Mm. um so maybe it's got to do with something like that maybe it's got to do with the the audio medium and attention spans to the visual medium and you know obviously sort of the dopamine components of likes and engagement and whatnot that come from it. Mm-hmm. So you asked me if I hunt? Yes, I hunt. I got into hunting later in life. It's something I've, I've had in my blood. Your Speaking, dad didn't hunt? Kind of. I mean, he was a, uh, in charge of the, we call, in the States you have SWAT team. Up here we've got ERT. So uh, Vancouver, Vancouver police had a, uh, their very first ERT and he was on there as a sniper and then he was in charge of them. And I mean, they would go out with different other cops and go hunting. And I think maybe hunting was a little bit different than how I would hunt. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's uh, everyone decompress and have a few beers. And so I was never invited on those trips and they were few and far between. And it was not something that he was interested in, but I know in my blood, I've always been drawn to the outdoors whether that be hunting or fishing or just walking in the woods mountaineering uh, outdoor type sports there's something about it that i've always been drawn to the mountains the ocean maybe it's that isolation or the feeling of freedom and there's a knowledge aspect to that because the more you quiet your mind the more you're able to 
to learn and you can start picking up on what the little critters and insects are doing and seeing things that are that are just that most people don't ever see and that led me later in life when my 20s or so I guess I started getting into hunting and it was actually my uh, uh, my neighbor's father who took me out for the very first time old Greek guy and uh, to do some waterfowl hunting and listening to good his... social activity to get into I think so I think that's an easy way to get into it it's mm -hmm. uh, yeah and because uh, there's a there's a huge barrier to entry for if you didn't grow up with it, if you don't have a mentor, uh, that knowledge acquisition is huge, which is where places where Blood Origins providing that knowledge is a <laughs> huge resource. Uh, we do the same with the Silvercore podcast. Uh, and then there's gear. Holy crow. If you open up a magazine, you're going to be led to believe you got to buy everything in the world. Yeah, yeah, successful, yeah. 100%. Right? So I think we have better resources to provide accessible mentorship to the masses than we ever have mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. mediums like online learning, through podcasts, through YouTube, through forums. And our level of connectivity that we have has been changing the narrative of what hunting looks like. It's not one person told me, uh, you know, hunters of, of old are all gouds. I'm like, what's a goud? G-O-W-D. It's a grumpy old white dude, right? Okay, fair enough. Um, why are uh, they grumpy? Well, they they figure other people are going to be coming in hunting on their area, or the <laughs> government's taking away their rights, or whatever it might be. And now it's more, hey, there's a hunter out there, and they're in, quote unquote, my area. Cool. They're into hunting too. L let me strike up a conversation. Maybe we got some stuff in common. Maybe the, we'll find out how we're going to hunt this area effectively, and you know, uh, coordinate things. Uh, new people getting into the activity, women make up a massive right. uh, growth rate, as well as people of color. And those are areas in the States that are, uh, there, a lot of attention is being focused on because they realize we've got to get away from this whole gout thing. And, you know, new people coming in are going to do things differently. They're going to dress differently. They're going to wear different camouflage. They're going to uh, approach things in a different manner. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Having these mediums of communication allows us to share our shared ethics, our shared understanding of how things are done. Like if you're fishing on a river, don't snake a person downstream, right? And those little things that somebody new to an activity probably wouldn't understand, this helps just grow the community. Mm -hmm. you've, you've been in the community for how long do you think? 10 years? What, in hunting or firearms? Yeah, or hunting. I mean... I've been around firearms since I've been four and hunters mm -hmm. talking with them and around it hunting since my early twenties. So I'm 45 now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 25 years now. So, and then fishing, you know, I've done from a, from an early age, uh, but it was a, it, and it's, it's always, it's going to be an ongoing learning process for me. Everyone looks at me and like, wow, you own this business. You must be an expert. Like I've, I've testified as a subject matter expert in all levels of court, um, for, um, federal firearms prohibitions that are going on, put together voluminous reports on uh, different matters. And I still look at myself as a constant learner. And there's so many more people out there that know so much more than me, right? But it's those who just step up and do things are the ones who are affecting that change. <laughs> in, in, in the time that you've been engaging in hunting, 
seen the hunting community, seen the hunting industry. Had there been anything that sort of stuck out to you? In what way? Mm, go. Let's go back to our conversation, the negative side of things. Oh, we're going to concentrate on the negative, are we? I want to start there. Okay. Anything that strikes me as negative? Well, being in a firearms business, in the outdoors type business, uh, I have a lot of association with other businesses. And being a low barrier to entry industry, it's not like we're doctors or lawyers and we've gone to school for a long time. Anyone in there, anyone can hang up a shingle and say, yep, now I'm a gunsmith. Yep, now I'm a firearms instructor. Yep, now I'm a hunting instructor. Um, that in itself can create a very healthy competition. But you'll find in low barrier to industries, sometimes that competitive nature might get the most of people. And when there's no money coming out, people will do some weird things. And if there's a perception that there could be possibly lots of money coming out, people will do even weirder things. And so in that respect, I've seen some very solid, long-standing businesses doing a very good job and new ones trying to get into the industry who will look for areas that might be underserviced and that low barrier to en entry industry might bring out the worst in them. So that's one thing that I've seen that I think just sharing these conversations can help people understand that all of these things w within business that I know, it's a macro game. So mm. if you're looking at no something- shortcuts. Right. If you're looking at something and as a 10-year or a 20-year project, you'll make much different decisions than if you're like, how do I get X amount of money by the end of the year? How do I make so much today or tomorrow? So that- macro picture to what we're doing is one of the things that I see more attention being put into, and I've been seeing a shift. The early days of the internet, just everything was uh, yeah, yeah. now, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about ego, Trev? You know, I had a podcast with uh, Jenny Lee, and a good friend, she's got a uh, Instagram account, uh, Chasing Food Club. She got into hunting took her course, met somebody on the, uh, the course, both brand new said, Hey, let's do a fly in caribou hunt as their very first hunt. And they were successful, right? Just jumped out of that plane and built a parachute on the way down. But in her, the podcast with her, she says, ego is in every aspect of in the hunting industry. And she's coming obviously from a female perspective. And I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, give me a break. How so? But the more I've looked at it and the more I've researched it, I think ego from a, oh, what's that fellow's name? Eckhart Tolle talking about the, um, uh, the ego and how that manifests and the death of the ego. I think ego is pretty intrinsic in all areas of, of life. And you're going to find that in hunting as well. And the mm -hmm. way that we are, our attention spans currently are in order to get those likes and those hits it will encourage a certain type of video or photograph or posting that only doubles down on that whole ego effect. And it's unrealistic. But yes, ego ego is a part of, of this. Unrealistic to hunters, but also has the propensity to showcase what we do in a bad light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's the uh, it 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 ties back to 
ties back to what we sort of started talking about, which is that negative sphere generating engagement, generating buzz, you know, both from all all sort of all facets, people saying, oh, that's so awesome, to people saying, you're killing us. Mm. So I, you know, grown up with ADHD, lots of different interests. One of the curses or gifts of having ADHD is that you'll tend to look at things from a bit of a different light and a bit of a different angle. And so if we look at this ego as sort of killing us, maybe, maybe in some ways, but maybe there's a way to be able to harness that as well in a positive way, just in the same way that Sabrina puts out a video that gets millions of hits because everyone wants to correct the fact that something's the lighter look at it. clearly it still had some fuel in it um if the ego side comes in and it shows something that generates a whole bunch of hits maybe that forces a conversation because there's going to be ethical hunters there's going to be unethical hunters yep um and those ethics are external this is something that is shared within the community and those different communities will approach things differently different parts of the world will do things a bit differently and then morals would be my own right mm-hmm. um it gives us the opportunity to address those who are doing things offside and why that's offside. And maybe, maybe, uh, there are some positives that can be gained out of that. I think that the, 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 to crack this code is to figure out how the, the, from our perspective, and mm. I say our purposely, not my perspective. Our hum- hunting community perspective. How do we make all of the good that comes from hunting viral? I think it's happening already. I think COVID was a big push on that one. Do you know who Shane Mahoney is? Oh, yeah. Okay. So have you had him on the podcast? No, not yet. It's tough to pin Shane down. Okay. Well, if you get him, you should. What a hell of an orator. Like oh my he, God. It's he like talk. he just, he just makes you feel like you're intellectually inferior. He's a smart guy. And man, yeah. he's got a command of the English language, doesn't he? Exactly. No, and his vocabulary just like kills you, right? You're just yeah. like, oh. Okay. And he's a presenter. He's a, he's like, you'd make the perfect thespian sitting in the chair there on inside mm-hmm. the Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, he talks about stepping into the stream putting your hands up because you're traveling in the right direction how long are you going to be able to resist and fight that stream maybe you're at a standstill depending on the power of the stream and eventually it's going to win but what if there's a common phenomenon that's happening that's floating down that river can you jump on that and now you're more visible to others and can you use that to help direct the course of where you're going and the river's perhaps going and i think covid was a huge eye opener for people I have never seen such a rush on people wanting to learn how to hunt, learn how to forage, learn how to garden, get their firearms license, be self-sufficient, than when all of a sudden their fundamental principles that they held to be true are shaken. So I think that has been one very big push. People were fearful and they wanted to be able to provide. But there's also the other side to that, which I think... I. even just reading through your website, 
I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one. It's the mental health aspect of it. It's that soul aspect to being just outside. And you can only lock people up for so long and feed them a bunch of BS and uh, take away rights and freedoms before that has a very negative effect on your well-being, on your mental outlook, on your soul, mm-hmm. and just being out in nature, whether you're looking for animals or vegetation or whatever it might be uh, or not, has such a healing aspect. So I, I think that's another area that can assist with virality. Maybe instead of showing a grip and grin of the big fish you caught or the big animal you just harvested or whatever it might be, um, just showing the the struggles of having to get there and how you're overcoming those struggles. Because in reality, it's those struggles that are what we hold dear to our heart. Because if everything came super easy, we would have zero value in it. Do you, what do you think about the idea that emotion, struggle, vulnerability, those three things have the ability to go viral. Huge. I mean, I was tar- talking with uh, Mark Kenyon here recently, and he says, you know, when I was starting my uh, social feed, I, I, know the, I know the way to virality. You know, you just, you're the guy on the top of the mountain. You've always got the big animals. I mean, you got the close-up, the kill shot, the blood on the hands. I mean, the, the well-framed pictures, and you're basically an action figure. He says, but that wasn't me. That wasn't true to my heart. And he says, I found when I started, at first, when you start these things, everyone's always, I find, a little bit conscious and afraid about putting themselves out there, shy about it. I don't know what you're like, but I think if I were to describe myself, I'm an introvert and not an extrovert, which is odd because almost everybody I talk to in the outdoor media industry is an introvert as well. Um, Brad Brooks brought that up. Mark brought that up. But uh, Mark says, the second I started documenting some of my failures, some of the struggles that I was having, the engagement went through the roof. Mm. And I think people can relate with that. I don't think it's good to document a struggle and complain about it because that's sending the absolute wrong message. You can say, I'm having a real tough time right now, but here's three solutions that I've come up with in order to be able to move forward. And you'll probably get other people chiming in and saying, have you thought about this? And what about that one? And I went through the same thing. Here's my solution, right? So I think that's the way to virality and sharing. And as well as connecting to those who might not understand, because I mean, hey, Robbie, you're a heartless hunter, right? You're just a guy, you could care less about life. When the opposite of that is true. Your value of human life, I'm going to argue, is higher than those who co-opt the responsibility of death to an abattoir, who the butchering to a butcher, who don't have that link and firsthand knowledge between that that silver thread between life and death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, in terms of introvert extrovert, I am an ESTJ. And I am as E as you possibly can get. You're a full-on extrovert. I am 30 to zero from an an extrovert perspective. So you go into a group setting, and that brings you energy, and you leave 100%. Okay. 100%. Cool. Like, I enjoy, like, to me, this is, 
this is it. Like, we're not in the same room, but I enjoy good conversations. I enjoy, like, more people and getting them in and just boom, boom, and it gets me going. My wife is an I-S-T-I-N-T-P, okay, with a 30 on the I and zero on the E. That's funny. So, same as you. This gets me jazz. I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy these conversations. Uh, I've never subscribed to the uh, to the Briggs Meyer scale of uh, uh, EQ and the rest because I find I I can fake it. I can make mm. it. I I can you know ADHD had lots of diagnosis since a kid and a lot of different tests I've had to do. And I look at these and just play the game. I'd be like, I want the outcome to be this, and so I just answer all the questions and. You know, after a while, I realized that my life is what I make of it. My destiny is whatever I put my mind to. And to the to the point that sometimes I question whether we do live in a simulation, because inevitably, what we end up putting our mind towards tends to, tends to unfold as mm-hmm. we see it would. And now whether that's because we're making things happen or because our brain is now reframing things at a later date to put those puzzle pieces in place, that's up to debate. Yeah, it's funny you say that because... When I started Blood Origins, I I had lost like a creativity in my day job. Mm. And I'm a scientist. I'm a restoration ecologist. I have a PhD in wetland ecology and aquatic biogeochemistry. And but I have this creativeness to me, mm. and I lost it. So then I created this thing called Blood Origins. And at the time, it was for for the first three years of its life, all Blood Origins was was describing the heart of hunters. Mm. So we would come in and we would tell someone's story. We would film it very differently. You know, we, I, I took pride in the cinematography that we brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And that's what set us apart. And then the other thing that set us apart was, oh, <laughs> I guess it didn't really set us apart. I was just forced to accept it, is that nobody gave us money. And so we were asking people to partner with us and they're like, nah, it sounds great and you do great work, but there was mm. always a but. Mm. And so the, the, um, the, the patient persistent nature of my personality came out in Blood Origins and that I just was completely dogged in my determination to continue. And that's, you know, when we turned ourselves into a 501c3, when we turned ourselves into a, a, a business revenue model that could then accept donations and accept mm-hmm. support, well, then the pipeline opened to the kinds of conveying we could do. Because at the time we had to, you know, when we turned ourselves into a nonprofit, we had to come up with a mission statement. Of course. And so it's like, well, how do we convey the truth about hunting? And we're conveying the truth about, I believed I, we were conveying the true heart of hunters mm. because we were showing them emotional, we were showing them vulnerable, we were showing them in a very different way than everyone was used to or had a, perspect- a, a perception of, mm-hmm. of hunters. Then it was like, well, what else can we tell the truth about? And how else can we tell the truth? So where do you see this going? I think that Blood Origins becomes more and more of the rational voice for hunting around the world. 
I think we've got a very big global fingerprint right now. And we want that fingerprint to deepen as we engage different people in different countries. So do you feel at some point you start becoming a bit of an echo chamber? I mean, when I look at Blood Origins, I have an idea, perhaps, of what the podcast might be about. You look at Silvercore and you're like, what is this, a mineral exploration company? Like, what, like, what is this, right? I like it. <laughs> right. I named Silvercore after my grandfather, Silver Armino, my other grandfather, Cornelius Bader. One was a police detective, the other one was an entrepreneur, and I just took the silver and the core and I put them together as a bit of a portmanteau. Um, and I've doubled down and stuck with it, but there is no descriptor in there. Blood Origins, I'm like, okay, I, I, I've got a bit of an idea. It's kind of like Meat Eater, all right? Um, I have an idea what I'm getting into when I listen to this podcast. Does that become an echo chamber or are you finding that you're getting more and more people outside of the hunting community? And if so, how are you doing that? Both. It's almost like I told you in the beginning, we've, 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 we've championed this idea of sharing our content. We know it's not sexy, but we need you to share it. Mm. And so the, the, the circles Anybody's circle, your circle, my circle, is full of non-hunters. And so when you share the content into those circles, you're engaging those non-hunters. Mm-hmm. Number one. So that's first point. Your second point is, yeah, we see it all the time. We, you know, direct messages, comments, reviews. Oh, I didn't, I was a non-hunter and have become a hunter. Oh, I'm a non-hunter. Wow. Or the best one, and it'll, it'll see it into my brain. Yeah. So we are very much okay putting our head above the parapet and saying, here, here's honesty and here's the truth. And so we'll climb on a Leonardo DiCaprio's Instagram and talk about hunting. Mm. And there was this one post, I can't remember what it was, but I said, come on, this is absolutely, I didn't say asinine, I said it a lot more. Uh, uh, it's rubbish. I, said it with, I said it with a lot more uh, courtesy. And the respon- I got a response from someone, and it said, I'm a bleeding heart vegan, and even this guy makes sense to me. <laughs> That's a compliment. So it's just a matter of, right now, our circle may be the size of our fist, and we've got the zone of influence around our fist, right? In five years' time, it'll be the size of this house, and the zone of influence will be triple that. And so it's just a matter of growth. In the social media digital world that we live in, it's all about growth, right? It's all about how many people engage with you that then takes your message, pulls it up, and throws it into their respective audiences outside of that circle. Mm. So that's one way that we're going to, that's one way we're doing it. The second way, is we're thinking way outside the box in terms of our content. For instance, we have a documentary that's coming about lion houndsmen. Okay. It's not being built for hunters, like very specifically not being built for hunters, being built for non-hunters, and it'll go into non-hunting film festivals. Interesting. That's where we're going to put it. And it'll be Blood Origins Presents, but it would just, you don't really know what, it's, it's all about a dog and its relationship to a human. Interesting. Then, oh, I like that. there's other ideas of, like, 
I've spoken to my wife who doesn't hunt at all. And she listens to random podcasts. Like mm-hmm. she may listen to Silvercore. Sure. Let's just use that as an example. That's yeah, pretty like, random. Why would you listen to that? Like you have no interest in topic X or topic Y. She's like, because it's intriguing. Because it's like, I don't know much about it and I want to learn a little bit more about it. I said, well, why wouldn't you do that with hunting? She's like, yeah, because hunting just, I'm just not interested in hunting at mm-hmm. all. But I'm interested in conservation. I'm interested in animals. So I'm that's, interested in wildlife. That's the angle that we're looking at. So that's one of the things we're working on in the background is I've got a couple of out-of-the-box podcast ideas because I think the podcast medium is one that needs, has the ability mm-hmm. to, especially in our community, mm-hmm. to be revolutionized. You know, the interesting thing about this, so you reached out based off of a, a post, I guess, that you saw on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Without that post that the social team had put up here, you probably would have never heard of me. Nope. So looks like something ha- is happening right in the social media world there. What I find interesting with my podcast, and you've probably found the same with yours, I'm going to just go out on a limb and make that assumption, is that at some point, your audience starts interacting with themselves, with each other, like outside of you. At some point, your past guests start interacting with each other. And maybe that common thread was the fact that they were on Blood Origins podcast. And we're finding that more and more within the Silvercore podcast. They have some really inspirational people on there. And it's moving from just being on YouTube and just being in the podcast world to being in the real world. And when we wrap up here, you and I are going to talk. Like you said before, best conversations happen before you press record and after we press record. And I'm going to be sharing some of my past guests with you so that you can talk to them. That, that might fit into there. And I'm sure you'll say, you should talk to so-and-so as it goes off. And that level of community building, leaving the egos aside, wanting to actually see those around you succeed and grow, because you know, indirectly or directly, that's going to help you. Indirectly, it might just the industry is growing. And so now I'm going to get more exposure through indirect exposure or directly man, you're doing a lot better and you come back and say, thanks, Trav, I really appreciate those connections and I I got something here for you as well. That relationship of leaving the ego aside and wanting to be positive and grow the community, I think is is massive. Because some Mm -hmm. people would have that Instagram feed come across, and I know because I've seen negative things as well, right? And they'd be like, my God, sir, biting their tongue a little bit. Why is this person getting play? I've got a better... Uh, perspective on, on, I could have answered that question better or whatever it might be. And probably they could have, but there's a way we can get all of that messaging out together. It's funny you said all of that. Firstly, if someone comes into our Instagram feed and says, you should have me on your podcast, I will never have them on our podcast. Interesting. Because you're being selfish, not selfless. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You're being full of ego. Yep. You've got this story, right? Yeah. Number two is Blood Origins has built a family. Yeah. And in our logo, there's a DNA helix in the middle. You can see it here. There's mm-hmm. a DNA helix. And out the DNA helix comes a family tree. 
little dots that go up. And what's transpired over time is that we've created a blood origins family. So using this, Ryan Bader. Interesting. That's Travis Bader. Sorry, Travis Bader is going to tell me who I need to talk to next. And he's starting his own little tree within Blood Origins. And that dot will lead to the next dot, which will lead to the next dot, which may cross over to another tree's dot. So all of our Blood Origins episodes, all the hunters' hearts that we've told, they have said, I've said, we filmed them. Then I said, you tell me who I film next. It could be someone famous. It could be someone old. It could be someone young. Whatever gender, whatever race, doesn't matter. We'll tell that story. Because you know how important the message is to what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And you're going to vet that person for me. Interesting. I don't have to do the work. You do the work because you're already in the family and you don't want anyone messing up the whole family. Guarding the self gate, so to speak. So Exactly. Interesting to bring up Ryan Bader, my MMA cousin there, who I've there never, we go. never met, and I'm only going to say we're cousins because he uh, seems to be doing a good job. Um, somebody reaches out and says, you should have me on the podcast. I always come back with two questions. I say, what value are you going to bring to the listeners? You want to be on the podcast? What are you going to do to bring value to the listeners? And then. The second question is, what are you about? What value are you hoping to get out of the podcast? And those two questions usually help me decide whether this person will be a good fit or not. And I've had some pretty high-level people come on in and they'd say, I, d I really don't want anything out of it. I just, I like the positivity. And, mm -hmm. I and if I can share my perspective on things, uh, and it helps influence people in a way that, that helps them, it's positive, then I, I'll feel good. Okay, fair enough. And it, of course, I vet, and you look, and you do your basic internet sleuthing and the rest to make sure that you're not being fed a line. But the biggest thing I'm looking for is what value am I bringing to my listeners? And if I don't have anything to say that I think is going to be a value, I just, I don't, I won't put something out. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Well, listen, my man, I knew that this was going to be a good one. Um, we definitely need to have you back in terms of if a topic comes up. But I will leave everyone with tender hooks because I'll take this offline when I say it. But I, we've got some other plans afoot that I think you can be a part of. And um, I'll just leave it at that. Robbie, thank you so much for having me on Blood Origins. I'll do the plug for you. If people aren't already, share it with others. Make sure you subscribe because that's how you help Blood Origins grow. And hey, you know what? If you are interested in listening to the Silvercore podcast, I can guarantee you we're yeah, going to have... Yeah, where can they find more of you, Trev? Well, they can... Silvercore.ca would be the website. And Silvercore podcast is under YouTube and all major podcast providers. Sweet, my man. Right on. You're the man. Thanks, Robbie. Cheers, mate. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.